So let's jump right into it. MotoGP, we had a podium of Maverick Vinales winning the race, Johan Zarco, and uh, then Francesco Bagnaia. So uh, a Yamaha and two Ducatis on the podium. Um, my first initial thoughts are, you know, great for Yamaha to come out and win that race. That's a big deal. Um, I did notice that Maverick said, we are back. And I just thought to myself, pump the brakes there, young fella. <laughs> you, you, you're saying that, but we've seen you win and then go to 12th the next race. So let's calm down. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I was, but I'm going I'm to I'm gonna call you out a little bit, um, you know, because you called me Saturday night and we talked about qualifying a bit. And, you know, the comment that you had made to me was, well, where's Maverick Vinales from laps 9 to 18? He was at the front today, baby. And, and he was I know, at the and, front. Well, I, I got a hold of Maverick and I told him what you said and it, it, lit, <laughs> it lit a fire under me. Us Yamaha boys, we got to stick together. No. Oh, please. I was really, I, I was surprised, I was, I was pleasantly surprised the fact that all we heard all weekend was this is a Ducati track. It's a Ducati. The Ducatis are going to be strong in sectors three and four, or excuse me, in, in sector four. And the, the nobody's going to have a chance because the Ducatis are so fast, which was substantiated in practice because Johan Zarco decided to absolutely set sail down the front straight <laughs> and yeah. go 500 miles an hour into turn oh one. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I really think that, uh, you know, I, I, and my buddy Tyson, you know, Tyson, I do this all the time when I'm talking about Johan Zarco, and I'll I'll do the... <laughs> Give it off wrong. <laughs> but you know he was doing that in his helmet and then when he saw his braking marker fly by he's like, I'm in danger. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's like you know, it's so he was straight from Viva La France to I'm in danger real oh, yeah. fast. But you're right. But he did a great job in the race. He did a great job. He he did exactly what they thought Jack Miller would be able to do. Um, but he was not. He had some sort of issue, whatever that is. I have to admit, there's a part of me that start that already wonders: Is this what we're going to see from Jack Miller? I don't think so, but this is not the first time that this has happened to him with a tire issue. Here's exactly so. So in 2018 and 2019, Jack Miller spent a lot of time roasting tires. In 2018, I think Jack Miller spent a lot of time in the gravel. In 2019, mm -hmm. I think Jack Miller spent a lot of time roasting tires, uh, which is odd because he spends more time on the front wheel than he does the back. Right. Um, so, and also in the same breath, I think we see Jack Miller's a very, um, he's a pretty passionate guy. You know, he's very animated. He's very emotional. Um, he definitely wears his heart on his sleeve. And you know how, well, you know what he's feeling at all times whenever he takes the lid off. Um, mm -hmm. So what, a couple of, comments or a couple of interview headlines that I saw was talking about how comfortable Jack Miller was on the bike pre-guitar. Now, whenever we're comfortable on the bike, you and I know very well that, you know, we have that extra brain space and we feel a lot better on the bike. Well, we're going to ride a little bit better. So what happened to Jack Miller? Why did he roast his tires the, in, like he did in this race when he spent, he did very well last year to not you know to manage tire well wear a lot better as the season went on so and how does that affect him moving forward uh, because i think that jack can't let this this race get into his head 
There's got to be no, a let's take a step back. Yeah, let's yep. take a step back. Let's figure out what we did wrong, and let's not and, and just and be done with it. You know, he's got a mm-hmm. top, he got a top ten. Um, what place did he end up finishing? He did finish. Uh, he finished ninth. Okay, so he's got a top ten. You know, we've got some points. It might not be as what as many as you want. It's a long season, and you got another gonna you got another crack at it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It set a blazing time. You know, in practice, set a good yep. time in qualifying. So take that take the win yeah. and, and go forward you know and sure. then and move forward into next week and and do better essentially you know you know, get gooder <laughs> and you know oh yeah sure but uh no to your point um not to take anything away from ben Benyaya or uh zarko they ran a, fan, no. a phenomenal race i think yeah, that I, uh, I don't want to talk about miller more than we talk about those two guys because they did run phenomenal races. i mean bagnaya's first pole ever which is fantastic um and he is, I think he's disappointed to finish third, but I just think Maverick had it. Maverick had it on Sunday. He just did. That's one of those nights, you know. And for Zarco to put it ahead of the two factory boys, that opened my eyes a little bit. That really did. I mean, this guy is talented, dude. He is really talented. We just got to – and he did a great job with the calm down. He took he the calm down before the race. He didn't – he must have gotten my message because he did nothing crazy the entire race. And I'm like, I don't – I was just waiting for it. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think that he's kind of gotten a, a – he knows that there are eyes on him from the from the stewards, from the rest of the paddock, that, that we've seen some of the uh, Zarco act-out um, incidents or the fact that he's always – he always manages to be in the situations that, that involves contact, another rider going down, aggressive mm-hmm. moves. You know, he always seems to be somewhere in the in – the, view of that those right. incidents so do you think that he knows this and, and he knows that hey i've got to kind of mind my p's and q's for a bit run be extra cautious whenever there are riders around me or do you think that he's just thinking nope this is my chance to show ducati that i belong on this grid or and to show, show all of these folks especially ktm that i belong on this grid i think it would be uh, really naive to think that there wasn't some of that but what i really think is that Zarco is a winner. I think he wants to win. I think his competitiveness is much deeper and burns much hotter than we see or he lets us see. And when you're on one of those bikes that just doesn't have maybe the best motor or doesn't have the new stuff on the swing arm or the, and it's not as good, you have to take some chances. And he is willing to do that to win and to put himself up there. So, yes, he's a little bit out of control, but now with this spec bike he's on now, maybe he won't need to be because we didn't see that so much in Moto2. We saw it occasionally. We saw it right when he came into MotoGP. We saw it. And, you know, even Rossi said, hey, listen, he's got to learn. This isn't Moto2. But I think that was more like waving a red sheet in front of a guy like Zarco. Like, oh, really? Okay, well, you know. Stop Stop crying, old man. I'm here to win. And he's trying to win. So to what you said, yes, there has got to be an element of that. There has to be. But I really think that Zarco just is a phenomenal rider who is ultra competitive, and he wants to win and be on that podium as many times as he can. He doesn't accept not being there. So I think that's what drove some of that. Because if, if you look at what he was doing, some of those times he was trying to move forward he was trying to get ahead he was impatient maybe he was impulsive 
but it was with the eye on moving up and finishing better. And I think that's, I think they all do that to some degree, but I think Zarko's just a lot more competitive than we know. Because, you know, he's a kind of stoic personality mm-hmm. on the camera, but I don't think that's what's going on inside of him at all, at all. Um, so that's what, that's my take on it. Okay, I can see that. So, speaking of bikes, we've got to talk about Franco Morbidelli. Now, listen, before we talk about this week's biggest loser, that's what okay. Morbidelli is. Fair enough. <laughs> Let's talk about Joan Mir and this kid's racecraft. Now, he got beat by power at the end. It had nothing to do with him. It was all bike. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he, he was defending his line. I and he broke, he, too, he broke too deep, I think. I think he got in too hot because he thought that he was going to see Ducati come up right. underneath him because right. he was he was clearly very wide, lost all of his drive coming out. I don't know if he would have been on the podium. I think, I, mm. I'm think i not I'm not saying that he would have beat the Ducatis no. to the line. No. What Did I'm saying is it would have been close. Oh, yeah. It wasn't close. Yeah, it wasn't but, close. But what I'm saying is it would have been closer. Well, maybe. But <laughs> it, it, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But what I want to point out is the way that you, we saw him – We've said it before. His racecraft is brilliant. He just he just doesn't matter. He was he started low, way down the grid, nope. and he's just super patient. And then you just start to see him get into his rhythm, Absolutely. and then he just moves forward and never making crazy moves, never putting anyone else at risk. He just he's just faster, and he just takes over, and he just goes and and even you know did it to his teammate Alex Renz. And nope. I thought there for a minute Alex Renz looked really strong. Uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe some tire issues there, but you know he he overtook him. He even beat out uh, Fabio, I think. And there's another danger for me with Fabio. I just don't trust him to finish on the podium every week. But I think what we saw is a super high class of uh, riding from Joan Mir. I think even though he finished fourth, I, that kid is he's the real deal. He's 100% the real deal. I completely agree. I like him uh, for the for the exact reasons that you say. You know, yeah, he gets emotional, and I think a, a post race interview he was uh, he was angry uh, about what happened. You know, about getting mm-hmm. beaten by the Ducatis like that. Um, I think Suzuki as a whole is probably being uh, somewhat tight lipped. I haven't seen a whole lot of headlines about you know Suzuki saying we've got a power issue. I think Suzuki looked at that race. They had to see that race. They had to see it and and say, okay, do we do we need to go back to the to the drawing board where we can develop the engine again? You know, do it, does this need to be a priority? Have, we, we've got a to, we've got a phenomenal yeah we've got a phenomenally handling but a phenomenal handling bike right now. You know, how do we get a little bit more out of the front straight because Ducati is killing us? It's Ducati's mo. You know, you called me and you said, "Watch this race from 2007." I believe it was the mm-hmm. the Qatar race when Casey Stoner. Exactly the way you said. I went back and watched it as soon as I got off the phone. In you know, it's Casey Stoner down the front straight at Qatar. Rossi not, can't do anything about it. Then you see mm-hmm. Rossi sectors two, three, and then beginning of sector four. He's back up with Casey Stoner on the back tire. What do we do? We come through turn 16, and then Casey Stoner's in turn one before Rossi can get to the start-finish line. Yeah, it was crazy, you know. And, and so I think, I think, I think the problem Ducati has is a fuel issue, like Simon Crafer was talking about. They have to turn it down. They can't keep it full power the whole race right now. But if they ever figure that out, oh my goodness, oh, forget yeah. about it. Forget about any any track with any sort of straight 
Ducati will have an enormous advantage. Now, the thing is, uh, for me, uh, I, I think Suzuki's bike, like we talked about it, it's very good pretty much everywhere. It's not slow. It's not. It's got more power than yeah, the Yamaha. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just it doesn't measure up to the Ducati in, in, on, in terms of straight line power. But we'll see when they get into, you know, the European tracks, and, and we'll see what happens. But I think Mir's definitely a challenger this year, even when Marquez comes back. You, Because I don't think he'll back up from Marquez. He's a world champion, too, now. So there is no, oh, you're a world champion, and I'm going to put, you know, kit gloves on when I come around. No, we're both world champions, and you may have more, but I'm, I'm a world champion as well, and I am going to you know, stick my nose in here if I feel like I can get you. And uh, that's great for us. That's going to be great oh, yeah. racing. Absolutely. I, I can't wait. I and, can't wait. And I think that Mir deserves that. You know, Mir mm-hmm. deserves to, to the, I don't want to say the opportunity, but Mir deserves to, to stand that ground. He Like you said, he was a champion last year, and he is a champion now. He's the defending champion. So whether or not Marquez was on the grid last year is – it's it's a moot point in, in, in now because mm-hmm. Mir is the champion and we can't hold that title until somebody gets back from injury because they decided to go you know full send in the first in the second race well, of the season and, so and we never you don't know if he will get hurt again and then it's two years and then he gets hurt again and he misses half the next year you don't right. know this is racing this is what happens so you have to overcome adverse you know a, you know adverse conditions and adapt and overcome and. You know that's what they did at Suzuki last year, and, but this year I just really, after watching Mir, you know he was in second place. He had made him, made it up to second place, and I was just impressed. I just really was. I I um I like the kid. You and I both do. I'm I, I think he's going to do some great things. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right. So now let's talk about the biggest loser. Uh, what happened? I'll let you go because I don't know. So I've read, I, I've never, I've not seen a completely confirmed report, but I am seeing that some chatter in the paddock was that the launch device was stuck on the whole shot device was stuck on the entire race, um, which you know it squats the rear. Franco mm-hmm. Morbidelli can't turn the bike and can't do what the Yamaha bike does well, which is turn the bike, turn and use corner speed. Right. So I, <laughs> I, I really, my heart goes out to the guy. But let's remember, he's on a 2019 bike, mm-hmm. not a 2020 bike, a 2019 bike. And the rest of the Yamahas are on a 2021 spec bike. Yep. He doesn't so, like the 2020 frame, and they would not give him a 21 frame, which to me is asinine. This guy was a winner last year. He was a multi-race winner, and he was, a, he was second in the championship. Yeah, don't give me the money thing. That's just a matter of disrespect. To me, if I am Morbidelli, I'd never go to that factory Yamaha team. As soon as another factory comes calling, I'm going there because they disrespected him. That's what I think. And, uh, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how that happened. But I, so if his whole shot device, I heard that as well. If that was stuck on, it's obviously a problem. You know, I feel bad for Franco because he was obviously faster than what he showed. Um, that's really disappointing for him. I'm sure he he was in his helmet, like just railing, <laughs> you know, like why? Yeah. Um, but you know that happens, and I think he'll be fine. You know, he's he's an easygoing character. He's pretty 
pretty relaxed guy, and he'll get over it and move on to this week with short memory, which is, is good. Um, so you, any more thoughts about that? I mean, I, I think it was – I think I don't think that's who Franco is. I don't, I'm not worried. I think it was a problem with the bike, and it'll get sorted. No, his character showed me a lot uh, with the race. I mean, he, I'd read an interview that he had given, you know, kind of, I don't want to say he took a shot at Yamaha, but he, he kind of communicated the urgency in the interview to Yamaha saying, you know, he didn't feel that he was really a priority to Yamaha, but he hopes that, that they will take serious look into it to figure out what's going on with the bike and what happened. Um, beyond that, this guy knew that he had a problem on lap one. Mm-hmm. He finished every lap. Mm-hmm. He didn't come in. He didn't call it quits. He didn't throw in the towel. He finished every single lap. He grit his teeth. He stayed in there, and he did his best. And I love that about him. I, I really like Franco Morbidelli. I think he's a, a laid-back individual. He seems very down-to-earth in all of his interviews. You know, He's a winner. He's, he's, he's a winner, super nice guy that you see uh, walking around the paddock and, and, and in his interviews and talking and, and, and socializing. And But... When the helmet comes down, I mean, he's a demon. You know, I mean, I, I think he's a competitor. I think he's he's almost that dark horse that, that definitely could be there to fight for the championship if he has the support from the manufacturer that he's riding for. Yeah, I agree. And so I, I think I think this is a one-off. I think he'll get it. He'll get it figured out. He was one of the faster guys throughout the weekend, and I think we'll be right there. Uh, real quick, I mean – where are you with uh, Red Bull? You think you think they're in trouble? Or you think it's you think losing all that extra concessions, the concessions they had up until they won, you think that's hurting them a little bit? I don't know. I, I mean, we saw the bike win, uh, you know, multiple times last year, mm-hmm. and and more of a de- uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, Miguel Oliveira did well in the race, if I recall correctly. Well, um, he didn't. He uh, he finished thirteenth. Brad Bender. Brad Bender finished fourteenth. Okay, so so not not well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do I remember the, seeing Daniel Petrucci go out, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think the pedigree is there. I, I think the drive is there. I don't think the concessions. Um, I don't think that's a huge blow uh, because mm-hmm. no one else is developing an engine, right? So, so everyone, they're, they're, they're currently at where they were last year with that bike. You know, obviously Ducati's, they've got their fancy wings this year and, and they've got a thousand horsepower and they're going to go faster and, and, you know, travel through time eventually. But right. You know, I think KTM, uh, kind of what you said, you know, the European with the uh, Suzuki, I think KTM is probably going to go back to a few of the European tracks and do a little better. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll see them fight towards the, towards the front a little bit more. Uh, Brad Bender did well last year at Jerez. Um, you know, he crashed out or he went wide in turn five, and I think he had to, to reel that back in and then started working back up through the field again. Um, so I definitely think that that we'll see better. We'll see better results from them. I'm hoping we'll see be, be better results, seeing better results from them. But I think, like you said, I mean, this Qatar race, there was there was a lot that happened in this race. Uh, there was a lot to really unpack from this race, mm-hmm. um, both with Ducati speed, Yamaha lack of speed, uh, Suzuki amazing tire wear, Suzuki amazing racecraft from its riders, KTM's nowhere to be found. It, you know, there's just there was a lot that really happened in our mm-hmm. first race, and you know, it's 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 when we get a whole season worth of action in in in, in 45 minutes, and you know, we've got a lot to kind of digest and then look forward and try to make. Not necessarily predictions, but 
we're armchair quarterbacking, right? This is what right. we're doing Absolutely. this for. Absolutely. So, you know, we're trying to look into the future to say, okay, this is what we think we may see coming up. But it's going to be really hard to see until we get to one of those European tracks that's got, you know, it's a bit windier, that that's, uh, there are more passing opportunities, things of that nature. I think we'll really start to show the true nature of each bike. Um, but, to, but with that, you know, talking about bikes, we got to talk about Aprilia. Well, yeah, we do. I, I think I think the reason we talk about Apria is that number one, I think their bike is is much improved from last year. Uh, Alicia Spargrove finished uh, he finished in seventh place. Um, a hats off to him. That's a good that's a good finish for them in the first race of the year. Um, he beat uh, Repsol Honda with his brother Pole right behind him. Uh, speaking of that, I mean all that all that bluster about how good and how good pole is and how well he's adapted to the bike is that what we're talking about to get to eighth now is that the standard we're setting at repsol i don't think so but let's see when marquez comes back what happens and see if they can both raise that level up because i don't think uh stefan brattle finished 11th but i don't think stefan brattle is the type of rider with the talent to push the bike forward up the grid I, i don't think he's there i think he's probably a phenomenal test rider because he's very consistent and um, he keeps the bike up, but he's not going to win races. Well, exactly. You know, and that's not to take anything away from, from Stefan Brattle, but that's not, mm-hmm. that's not what his role is. Like you said, you know, he's out there to, uh, I guess, in I guess my speculation, he's, he's out there to get data for the team, you know, to take back to them, to, for them to really break down and start looking at to how they can apply it to a Paul Sparger or a Mark Marquez to see where can they help, you know, po- where can that data possibly help them out? Um, I think that's kind of what his, along with you know getting keeping sponsors happy by having two bikes on the grid, you know that's mm-hmm. kind of the role that Stefan Brattle is filling right now, yep. and um, so I, I'd read an interview or an article this this week about Polis Berger was angry about his finish, and mm, my weird. first well my first thought was. Polis Bargro angry? Certainly not. You know, no, that's no. just that, that's kind of what I've ex- come to expect. And you know my thoughts when it comes to Polis Bargro. But right. you know, not to get too far in the weeds with that, I got to give the guy credit because he did well on a new bike. He mm-hmm. really did. You know, and we saw we saw races where Polis Bargro was fighting for twelfth and thirteenth place on a KTM before. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. granted, eighth place isn't phenomenal, but he's no. on a new bike and he's fighting against guys that have you know that are that are on i don't want to say better machinery but are more adapted to their machinery they're used to that bike they know what right. it's going to do they're, they've they're familiar with it and um i think polis bargro is is going to be fighting for the front more this season i think i would say i, I want to say that i want to say i'm going to we'll see a couple top fives out of him maybe um i don't know if we're going to see polis bargro win any races on the honda though um, I'm gonna I, call it. I'm gonna. I do not believe we will. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, that's my prediction. I'm, I'm gonna put myself on record right now. No, I don't see it. Well, if we get sued by Polis Bargro, then <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think he's gonna win a race. Polis Bargro hate. I don't. I don't. You know. No, no. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's gonna win this year. I think. You know. I, I think we, you're right. When they get to Europe, I think that's when we'll know really what pole can do on that honda um he'll have more time on it i think the honda does better at other tracks but you know i think we were always expecting to see the honda on the podium because we saw marquez on the podium and we're realizing now how much of that was mark marquez 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want us to, to, to end this before saying a big shout out to the rookie Anea Bastianini for finishing the top 10. I mean, he beat some, he beat some heavyweight people on a, on a, a satellite team. You know, he beat Rossi, he beat Brattle on a factory bike, he beat oh. both Red Bull KTM factories, he beat, uh, you know, Jorge Martin from Tramac, he beat, uh, and he beat Franco Morbidelli. Uh, but, you know, I, I just want to say for Inea, what a great start to a MotoGP career on a satellite Ducati. What's well, a great start. No, absolutely, I completely agree. And, and like we said in Moto3, it was we're talking about rookies. MotoGP, we got to talk about them too. You know, like you, you brought up mm -hmm. Jorge Martin, Enea Bastianini, mm -hmm. and even Luca Marini. I mean, they're they're they had some difficult, uh, you know, difficult times in the weekend. I think Luca Marini might have been the the one that that fared the the worst out of the entire rookie class. But those guys on the Ducatis, they looked good. The the new guys really did look good in MotoGP. Enea mm -hmm. Bastianini proved that he's you know he belongs on that grid it same, yeah. same with Jorge Martin he got you know he grit his teeth and he got he was with the front runners there shortly he got an amazing start off the yeah. grid and yeah. you know he'll never get another start like that no uh, no I, I tell you you said they proved you know like and they proved that he belonged I I really wonder about Lorenzo Savadori though I don't 46 seconds behind the race winner that's a long way um that's a long way. How long before Dovey takes that spot? I knew you were uh, going to ask that. I, 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 just, <laughs> I if he would have finished in front of Morbidelli or like 16th or 17th, I would. But man, he was. I mean, he was basically had the his own track day. You know, he just was out there by himself. <laughs> like he just rented the track and was just out there screaming along, and he he didn't have anywhere close to the same average speed as the other guys 46 seconds is a lifetime in racing um you know i i don't want to i'm not trying to knock lorenzo salvadori i'm just saying how long it, it, it won't be long there's no way no i completely agree i'm and 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 obviously i don't want to say obviously i'm uh, no, no disrespect to lorenzo salvadori but it's a brand new bike but Paul Spargaro, or excuse me, Alicia Spargaro, you know, mm -hmm. look how well he did and on a brand new bike. So, right. The, okay. The, and the, give, the, give, given the choice between Andrea Davizioso and Alicia Spargaro to put on your race team and on your bike to race your bike for you, who do you choose? Oh, you, there's no question. There, there's no question um, for multiple reasons. First of all, it's the, the pedigree that, are, that Andrea Davizioso brings to the team, that competitor oh. and that championship title fighting uh, rider. But then it's, it's that name recognition that's going to really draw the attention to that Aprilia team. It's going to get more Aprilia fans in the seat. It's, it's an Italian rider with an Italian manufacturer. You, you would be crazy, or excuse me, a prominent Italian rider, uh, you know, mm -hmm. with that, with the racing pedigree that Aprilia has in its history. Uh, to me, it fits. To me, it makes sense to, to put Andrea Davizioso on, on that bike, on the grid, and let the guy go. Let him develop the bike as the season goes on. Let him, let him give you the feedback that, that you need as a team, as a manufacturer. Trust him to help you develop that bike. Trust him to take your team mm -hmm. in the right direction. And and this comes from somebody who's really not a huge Dovey fan, but I have a lot, I, I, I like the way Dovey rides, I like, uh, I have respect for him, 
not many people took it to Marquez and didn't care about Marquez's re- reputation other than Davizioso. Right. So I mean, it, we all know that you're a huge Pole Spargo fan. Let's he's my favorite. He's I, my I fave, mean, man. I mean, I've got huge Pole uh, poster in my bedroom. Yeah. It's it's weird. Is it on your ceiling? Because that would make it weird. Negative. It is not. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I, I think that I, I think Dovey should be on that bike on the grid. I, I do. I'm sorry. I, I think I want to see. I want to see once again. Same thing we talked about with Moto Two. More manufacturers up at the front fighting with each other. I want to see an Aprilia fighting at the front with with a Yamaha, with a Suzuki, and with a Ducati, and a, right. a KTM and Honda. I mean, it just we just want to see that competition. Right. What's your and, and my last thing is kind of a joke. But what's the over under on how long Lekawana stays in MotoGP? I got two seasons left. When's winter contracts up again? <laughs> That's dirty. I think acre dirty. I think we're gonna see Lekawana possibly step um, to World Superbike. I I. They really believe in that kid. I don't know what they see, but they know better than we do. But Of course. He just can't seem – and you can't tell me it's the bike because that bike won races last year. Um, so uh, I'll say this. I will say this. A friend here locally, um, and, you'll, and you know him, worked very close with uh, Iker Lekawono mm-hmm. in Moto2. And he, he was telling uh, my wife and I a story – about you know experience that he had, they were reviewing data around the table after one of the practice sessions in, of Lekawona's data, and they were essentially seeing that his uh, his steering was going from full lock to full lock on each side in a turn, and he was just you know as he was coming in and he they asked him what's going on right here this looks like you should have crashed, and he he essentially he very nonchalantly, oh yeah I was I'm tucking the front there I don't know what's going on but you know I'm, I'm tucking the front I've I've got to figure something out there. You know, I mean, to me, that's 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 crazy that there's so much talent there and there's so much ability there, but we're not really seeing it come to fruition well, just yet. You know? Well, maybe we are, but maybe the guys in front of him are just better. And that's maybe, true too. And and that will blow your mind when you think about it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I can't do that. But Eker is talking about like letting it go full lock to full lock. I can't do that. If if, if I do that, guess what? I'm picking myself up in the crash truck. We stuff. saw what happens when I do it. So right, I, I, right. I mean, it was it was glorious. We have it on film. Yep. Did I mention that last time? I think yeah, I, did. I think yeah. I, I think I need to mention that every one of our podcasts. But uh, yeah, I, so all in all, it was great to have the MotoGP paddock back it's going to be great to see him again this weekend uh the second race at uh qatar mm-hmm. what are your predictions give me a podium for moto three what's your podium oh my heart says i want to see J- john mcphee actually finish the race that um, wasn't john's I, fault i understand I, co- I completely yet. understand it it hardly ever is john's fault though it, he's always <laughs> in the wrong place at the wrong time is john the new danny pedroza <laughs> you know he met he's got the physical size to match mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i i here are, here are my bold predictions i want to see a patronus team on the podium and i think we're going to see another ktm on the podium Oh wow! You really went out on a limb there. Wow, this this guy, 
hey, guys, if you need to make big bets, go with this guy. He's the guy. But I think Darren Bender's going to win this race. I think he will. Um, I think uh, I think it's going to be Darren Bender. And then I, I really honestly believe that uh, uh, Masia is going to be right there on the podium as well because I think you know I think he's I think he might be finding his groove and I hope so. But I I really think that uh, your boy Darren Bender, old die bomb Darren, I think he's going to pull it off. And then you know the third place finisher. I mean, throw a throw a a rock in the air in any direction, and it could be one of those guys, you know. Um, but I, I that's my pick for the winner. Could be bold and there. say Gabby Rodrigo. Oh, okay, I like that better. I like it better. That just means you're stepping up. That's he, what we like on this podcast. He's got to be able to say it. He's got that hot blooded passion, and he's not afraid to to get his elbows out either. No, he's not. All right, so Moto Two, can anybody take down Sam Lowe? I don't think so. He's on another level. Um, I think the I think the person to beat Sam Lowe's this week at Qatar is Sam Lowe's. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I'm going to go out uh, on a limb and say, you know, that uh, Joe Roberts is going to get on the podium. Uh, and I'm going to put Cameron Fauvier is going to finish in the top ten. He's going to move up. Nothing would make me happier than that than to that for for that to come true. I, I would say I think that would be a fantastic result mm-hmm. for for uh, America, <laughs> you know, a win for America yeah. to see that and, and and really get folks to you know excited about racing again. Yeah. Not that we're it's, not a, I mean, some of the communities that I've been and some of the the conversations that I've had with people live is, you know, one person asked the group, well, what did you guys think about Cameron Bobier? And the entire room that we that we were talking about it just erupted. Like you, you got you know, so excited, and this guy finished eleventh, and and this is we're already this excited. Can you imagine what that would do to the racing community in America when mm-hmm. he starts putting it in the top ten consistently? Then we yeah, start seeing top six consistently. Then we start seeing podium battles. And I think it's there. I think it's going to be there sooner than later because yeah. of exactly what you said. Cameron Bobier is over there to race, and he's mm-hmm. over there to do a job. He, he loves racing. He sees that pack in front of him, and he wants to be in it, and he wants to go through it, and he wants to be the lead guy out in front of it leading them around. Right. I, th- I, think, I think you can go ahead and start the clock on the uh, how long it will be until the USA, USA mm-hmm. chance comes to a race near you. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's coming. I think, I think it's coming. So, all right, so let's go to MotoGP. Who you got? Who you got? We 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 kind of we didn't put him down, but we we gave him. He he had a tough race last week. I think Jack Miller's going to take a step forward this week. Mm. I uh, I really that hope, won't be very hard. I mean, he's just got to finish in the top eight. Yeah, but I. I <laughs> <laughs> so I I mean I think I think Jack Miller's going to be on the podium. I, I definitely think Jack Miller's going to be top two. Um, mm. Okay. I'm going. Okay. I'm going that far. I'm going to make a big bet on Jack Miller um, for 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 one big reason. That's because I've got him on my fantasy team, and I only have one trade to, to deal with this week. So so Ooh. I need so Jack Miller, help me out. You know, yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> um, help a brother out, man. Right. No, I, I definitely think that uh, <clears throat> Ducati is going to look into the fueling issue that you talked about. They manage the power well. We obviously see that it's still there. They've got the grunt on the straight. They're not going to be worried about that, but they got to do something about tire wear. And Jack Miller's got to calm down a little bit mm-hmm. and not roast that thing off the line. I think Morbidelli's going to be top six. 
I think he's going to fight for a top six finish. And I really, really hope Rossi does not finish as low as he did last week. Mm. Uh, I think think Rossi will be top ten this coming week. And I think – but as far as a race winner goes – I'm going to say that it will not be Maverick. I think I think uh, this week, I think Francesco Bagnaia is going to pull it out. Where are you putting your boy, Joanne Mir at? I think Mir will be on the podium. Uh, I, I really think he'll beat Miller. I think he'll be second. But I think the in the end, the power difference is too much to drag to the line. Uh, so... It, for Mir to win, he's got to get out front early and build a huge lead, right? And for, that's it. That's the only chance he's got. But I don't think he can build a huge lead because they can catch him on the straight every time. So here's the thing with Mir, though. We've seen, we have seen saw Mir qualify, what, 10th, 11th last week? Yeah, he doesn't qualify well. That's the problem. Exactly. If he Had he qualified well, we would have seen, we would see, we would have seen a different result last week, in my opinion. Maybe so. Maybe so. We saw right. how strong he is mid-race, and he's just phenomenal mid-race, and even towards the end of the race. Mm-hmm. So uh, I definitely think if he can get first two rows on the grid, get his elbows out first couple laps, get into that rhythm early, let the fuel drop a bit. Whenever they, we always see the messages come up, mapping two, that's when Mir starts to work through the pack. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like that. Um, I, I think... You know, I don't think you can count Mir out. I think Alex Renz will get his tire issues figured out, too, so that may make for some real fun racing. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I don't think we're going to see too much better from either of these Fargaro boys. I think they'll be right about where they were, maybe a place or two, you know, either way. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of it, we'll just see. I, what I want is a good race. I don't want any craziness uh, yeah. or any rules and fractions where they have to penalize somebody to start on the you know i just want a good race and i'm interested to see really i think maverick's the big story because if maverick can pull off the first two wins here eh, maybe we starting to see a different maverick but i'm going to reserve all judgment on that until i see him win and be consistently on that podium in europe and when marquez comes back because i think marquez just kind of dominates maverick and uh i think know. i think you're right mentally he def i think he gets into maverick's head and maverick kind of has a chip on his shoulder when it comes to racing against marquez mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. That, that i think you're i think if that's where you're going with that comment i think you're, yeah. you're correct absolutely but I, but I loved it last year when Alex Renz basically gave Marquez the middle finger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was mm-hmm. like, "That's what he does." But I'm not going to back up. So whatever. Right. And I love that he said it when Marquez was in the room. I love it. Like he he doesn't. I you don't get that feel from Alex Renz when you look at him. But that dude's a competitor, and uh, I loved every bit of it. You know, and uh, he's not going to back up. I don't think Mir will back up. So, you know. It's going to be great racing, and uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend because we get two weeks of, in a row of MotoGP, and what's better than that? A track day afterwards, but I don't have that scheduled. So. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, well, some of us, you know, just live that charm life, I guess. No, I, I really I really enjoyed it. You know, uh, you got to get up to VIR North. I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you need to get up there. <laughs> it seems a little ridiculous that you haven't been there yet. Uh, trust me, I think it's a little ridiculous that I haven't been there yet. I, I watch videos and I hate it. And I, or I, I, I'm envious that I can't be there. And then I watch people go down the roller coaster, and 
I get scared watching videos, so it's not part. so scary. It's fine. It's fine. Don't sweat it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was good, and uh, you know, I think, I think for for everybody out there, you know, if you uh, were thinking about doing a track day, trust me, man, come on out. Get your gear. Get get a you know, come by yourself. You'll make a buddy before the end of the day. I promise. Absolutely. You. There's gonna be somebody uh, that sees you getting your bike off the truck they're going to come over they're going to help you they're going to let mm-hmm. you let you pit with them um mm-hmm. you're going to make friends that you uh, you're going to make friends that you're closer with that you've only known for an hour or two uh mm-hmm. than friends that you've known your entire life right. uh, I, I mean jason here that i'm talking with now the first time he and i uh, we, we we met via facebook because i think we were talking trash with each other about that cmp one time and then no, we it was Road up, Atlanta. Uh, was it Road Atlanta? Yeah, okay. it was Road Atlanta. Yeah, you said I know I passed that <laughs> that bike at Road Atlanta, and I was like, you know what? Now you're challenging my manhood. <laughs> Not really, but it, that's how it started. You're right. Yeah. Now, I mean, Jason's one of the guys that I'm most, uh, you know, that I'm closest to in, in life. You know, we chat, we do this podcast together, and and uh, you know, we we hang out with the track when we're when we're there, and and uh, check in on each other. It, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. I, Ask Jason how his track day was going on Monday. Hey, doing great, doing fantastic. You know, good day, beautiful weather. Um, you know, talking about a friend test, testing his new bike, doing well on it. And, and, you know, and I'm sure that whenever, you know, I go to a track day that Jason might not be there, he's going to be reaching out to me. So, yeah, track days are a, a phenomenal way to expand your family and, and really find folks that, that some of the best, most down-to-earth folks that you're ever going to meet in your life. Absolutely. So we, we highly recommend that, that community and that, uh, that hobby. Uh, but let me warn you, it is not cheap. But who cares? It's only money, right? Well, to be fair, you have built a B-spec World Superbike Cowie, so... Well, I am very fast, Bo, so this I need a bike true. that can keep up with me. This is true. Um, that's the probably the most untrue thing I've said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so you know, I, I guess I guess we'll end it there. But uh, you know, again, it was a great weekend of racing. It's great to have racing back. I can't wait until we have all three of these series that we really kind of talk about. Um, you know, being at World Superbike and then in. Um, you know, British Superbike, I can't wait. I just, uh, it, it's great. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Bo. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Absolutely. I can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. And we'll break this, we'll break next week at Qatar down again after the race mm-hmm. and hopefully start getting some feedback from folks and see what you guys think. But yeah. hey, if you've joined us this far, this one's been a long one. It's probably going to be a two part podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So you'll make it through the first part and, and then please stick with yeah. us for this one. But uh, thank you for your time, and we appreciate you being here with us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We hope to hear you, see you next week, or at least have you hear us, because we know we like to talk. So we're going to be here. Absolutely. Have good a good night. one, guys.